Ready? Hey, what's up, everybody? It is, uh, this is Ida Rodriguez, and welcome to Truth Serum, the weekly wrap-up. And I'm very excited to be here. This is our first show. This is a demo. So those of you who are here are just experiencing the beginning mm -hmm. as we work it all out. But uh, we're having a real conversation and these uh, clips are actually going to live. So uh, we were not going to let this important conversation be in vain. Um, I want to introduce my friends who came here today. I wanted to make sure that when we talk about things from a progressive perspective that we don't ignore the perspective of the people that the progressive movement, movement, the backs of the people that, uh, you know what I mean, was built on. Um, I'm really excited about it. I'm emotional today. I've been reading a lot about Ahmaud Aubrey and the more I read, the more I get uh, angry. So I just wanna make sure that I stay calm so that we can have a good show. Uh, anyway, this show is authentic, straight with no chaser. Everybody here is speaking their own mind. Nobody's being told that they have to adhere to anyone's political perspective or any perspective for that matter. And that is why we're doing this. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce uh, my three fellow hosts, panelists, uh, my brother and my sisters. You know him from uh, Last Comic Standing, Amazon. You know, Alonzo Bowden is a person who knows how to take um, some of the most intelligent perspectives, chew it up, swallow it for us, and then feed it to us in a way that we can understand it because we've been dumbed down so much <laughs> in this country. <laughs> so uh, Alonzo Bowden is here. Thank you, Ida. I'm glad you're here. Um, the next young lady, you guys know her from TYT. She uh, came through there like a storm with a very young perspective on things and a very old perspective at the same time. Um, she and I are always teaching each other stuff because we have two extreme perspectives sometimes. And I love talking to her because our exchanges are always about growth. So Brooke Thomas is here. Hi, Brooke. Hi, I'm glad to be here. And uh, last but certainly not least is one of also one of my friends, and she is who I call in the morning when I want to have an intelligent conversation and I feel judged for it. She's a very funny woman, one of the uh, funniest comedic minds out there that you need to know. And she wrote a book that is near and dear to my heart because as a recovering um, anorexic, I could relate so much to the journey, Fuck Your Diet. So make sure that you get her book now. Chloe Hilliard is here. Hey, what's up? Hi, everybody. How you feeling? So we're gonna kick it off. Um, we're just gonna we're just gonna chop it up, guys. We're gonna have this conversation. I know I'm not supposed to be saying guys for the woke world because guys <laughs> doesn't include everybody else. But uh, just remember, I'm only human and I make mistakes like it, just like you. So uh, we're gonna start with the Ahmad Aubrey story. Um, there are so many things that I want to talk about with regards to the story. Chloe, you sent me an article yesterday, which I definitely wanted to, uh, in, it, you know, bring along for the journey because Ahmad Aubrey was jogging um, in Georgia, and uh, two, three armed white supremacists killed him. They thought that he had been a suspect in a robbery in their neighborhood. So today is his birthday. And um, and the reason I sound so choppy about this is because, you know, I have a 28-year-old son. And every time he leaves the house, I, I panic. So today, supporters are gathering throughout the country to celebrate Ahmad's birthday by running, um, taking a 23, uh, I think the the date of his death, 223, um, 223 miles on his birthday today. And I just, I'm going to open it up to you guys because every single time I start talking about this, I get very upset. But uh, Ahmad was jogging. Three white men decided that today was their day. They were going to take justice into their hands. So vigilantism. They, um, they recorded, one of them recorded the lynching. And now they've been arrested uh, was it today or yesterday? I believe it was yesterday. Yesterday. So it took uh, it took outrage. It took Sean King. It took you. It took me. It took Chloe. It took Brooke. It took Alonzo. And the reason that they got arrested is because we saw that video. Because it was not enough 
that he had been murdered, but we saw the video. So one of the things that I think is very interesting is that the DA who did not want to prosecute him prosecuted um, a black woman for fraudulent voting. So what I want to talk about is the systemic ills that we're dealing with here, because we can talk about marching, we can talk about lynchings all day long, but until we address the real illness, we're never going to start dealing with this. So I, I just want to open it up to you guys, because like I said, I, uh, I feel like Rain Man right now. I can't even talk. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that you said, you know, pointed out that this these arrests only were made because we saw the video and that's the truth. And it's not that the video just popped up. That the prosecutors involved in this have had this video, have seen this video. It wasn't enough, not only that um, this man was obviously murdered in the middle of the street, or it also wasn't enough that there was clear video of it. It The outrage, the national outrage is what pushed this. And, you know, it's, it's always so frustrating that there's so much confusion when um, a Black person is killed for absolutely no reason. That's when it has to be like, oh, well, there there must be some reason behind it. They must have been scared. And it it's just frustrating of all the times when there's not video, because this happened back in February. We're in May, you know, and you think about, you know, what maybe possibly would have been different in Florida when it comes to Trayvon Martin, had there been video, you know? Um, and how often this just things like this just slide mm -hmm. because there's no proof. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing about everything that's transpired is that for for centuries, the African American community here has said that they are conspiring against us. Mm -hmm. And whenever we speak about the injustices, um, whenever a family member disappear, you know, before modern times, but a family member would just go for a walk and disappear and you would never see them again. Um, and when you talk about a young kid being intimidated by police for having a candy bar, like all these things that we say that are true to our experience here, people don't want to admit that it's real because if you admit that it's real, then you as a U.S. citizen have to acknowledge how corrupt and racist our judicial system is. And so now that we have video evidence, that it, you can still see people still trying to make these like mental contortions like, well, did he say anything? What did he do? Was he breathing too hard? Did he run up on him? It's like, this is all of the things that we say to be a brown and black person in this country is to constantly have to defend your right to walk, breathe, eat, sleep, drive. Well, speaking as a black male, I want to tell you, first of all, we have superhuman strength. I don't know if you've heard that, but we all do, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I joke about it, but honestly, it, it's this is what I think whenever these cases and, and I get your anger, Ida, I'm actually tired of it because it's the same thing. And whenever there's a case like this, I always think the period between the action and the arrest is when they're thinking, OK, how do we spin this one? Mm -hmm. How do we get them out of it? Like mm -hmm. they, they literally like you said, Brooke, they knew in February that this guy was chased down on the street and shot down. Right. But now they got, okay, now we got three months. Let's figure out how we're gonna spin this so we can get a not guilty verdict. Cause it's like, we'll have to arrest him, but we can still find some way to make him not guilty. Maybe the fact that he was fighting the guy with the shotgun, like after they, you know, cause the truck blocked the street. So he ran around the truck on the other side. And then for some reason, the driver's there waiting for him with the shotgun. And obviously if somebody points a shotgun at you, you know, you're going to defend yourself, right? And then they shoot him. So then I'm thinking they're thinking, how do we spin this? And he attacked a truck with two guys with guns or something. You know, it's ridiculous. Sounds. These are the stories that come out. So it, the protest and the, the the run in support, I get it, and people want to do something, but it, I just it doesn't make a difference. The, these things happen over and over and it's to this point they don't even try hard to cover it up anymore they're mm -hmm. like no nah, we'll do it you know and and also another thing sorry i talk too much mm -hmm. this is an example of the two worlds we live in right everybody knows there's two georgias there's atlanta and there's georgia right mm -hmm. just like in the country there's two standards you look at this and look at the same time in michigan at that white guy yelling in a cop's face. And what every person of color saw that and was like, wow, can you imagine 
if that was a black person or a Muslim person or a Latinx person yelling in a cop's face with a gun, like we can't even imagine what would happen if you did that, right? It's not even in our reality. Yet these are the two countries we live in. So we're out protesting another black man shot down in the street and they're protesting that the beach isn't open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say really quickly, the one, the one good thing about us literally sitting in the house is that people don't have other things to occupy their time. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I feel like a lot of white people have kind of rallied behind this whole movement for justice for Ahmad is because they have no other distractions. And so easily you can say, well, I didn't see that news story. It wasn't on my feed. I'm not on black Twitter. I'm looking at other things. And so now it's everywhere. And I feel like it's the same thing with the civil rights movement is like when people, white people started seeing black people being hosed down on the news, they had to say, okay, we can't just say they're all guilty. Right. Well, you know, I, I sit down and I think about this because you and I talk about this, Chloe. What are the solutions, right? How do we how do we actually start to make a difference and make some changes? Because it feels like I always talk about how this feels being a person of color feels like being in, a, in an episode of Scooby-Doo. When we talk about racism for so many years, people don't believe us. You know, they think that we're come on, get over it. Slavery ended so so long ago. Why are you guys still talking about this? No, if they pulled you over for a reason and they don't realize that our skin color is the reason, like that is all. It, 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 in the whites, in the minds of racist people, all it takes is for us to be people of color, nothing else. And it's so hard to, for some people to process that. And, you know, when I think about this, because it, it goes, it's, it's so deep and it goes so far up the chain when we talk about government. We, 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 you know, we scapegoat the cops sometimes, but these things are so, they're so embedded in our judicial system with regards when we go into the DAs and the prosecutors and even the defense attorneys, like mm-hmm. it is so dirty all the way with in the system that we, we start thinking that the cops, the blue collar workers that, you know, are on the ground are really the cause of this. And we don't, we do not value local voting and local elections. And that is exactly how the people who, who made way for George Zimmerman to be free got voted out because the people who in that, in that county said, we're getting rid of this, this person and they got rid of them. And it is so important for us to understand the people that are in office in our communities that we don't bother to become informed about, because those are the people who directly affect our day to day. So when uh, when we talk about this, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I mean, you touched on so many things. Uh, For one thing, what what you're saying about the rules, there's, uh, again, there's two sets of rules, right? I mean, it's shown that we've all seen these memes that they're they're showing about like the, the Colin Kaepernick protests. And it's like, well, if he would only follow the rules and the Latinos locked in cages, well, if they would only follow the rules and then they show all the white people protesting, like how dare they make rules, you know, the minute the rules apply to them. And, and what you're talking about, the, the voting one is tough for me, Ida, and I'll tell you why. Because it used to be if people would say to me, well, you know, I'm not voting because my vote don't count, right? And I'd be like, that's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. Now it's been proven. And again, we're looking at Georgia, right? We know what happened to Stacey Abrams. It's been proven that they, your vote doesn't count. You know, it will unplug the voting machines or we'll come up with some things. So, so I, I get what you're saying and I vote and I agree with voting, but I can't knock people who don't vote the way I did in the past because the, the the system, when you talk about the system being rigged, the governor of Cali- of, uh, of Georgia, that election was stolen in plain sight. It was stolen in plain sight. They, they made it. We're going to just eliminate voters in Atlanta because we don't want this black woman winning the state. Chloe, do you want to respond to that? Well, I, I mean, I do believe that there's it's not enough to just vote one time. It's it's more of a conversation of getting people of color into the actual political 
positions that will actually affect change over the long term. And so that, but you know, it's, it may be hard to convince a young black and brown person to get into politics because they'll feel like I'm just the only one, but it's kind of like chipping away. So that's one part is to get a get to get thoroughly involved in the political system from local all the way up to the federal level. I also believe that the only real way for us to make an immediate change is to literally burn the entire system down. And if you think about civilizations throughout history, no no symbolic or, or catastrophic change for better has happened without the entire system being pummeled down to the ground. I also, I, I don't think that you can just give up. I get what you're saying, especially in Georgia, but even Stacey Abrams doesn't want us to stop voting. Mm -hmm. like, I think that, and as bad as we have it when it comes to um, voter suppression tactics and the fact that he worked for, he was oh, he was like basically running the election while running in mm -hmm. the election was terrible. We still don't have it as bad as people who had to count an impossible jar of jelly beans in order to get access to the polls, people who were beaten and bloodied and jailed just for trying to vote legally. We, we still don't, I, I just think we always owe it to the people who even, we haven't even had this right a hundred years yet. And so just to be saying that I, I don't even, I, I give up, it's, that's the stretch too far for me. Even as bad as I acknowledge that it is. Well, I mean, I vote for my my grandmother because my grandmother came here from Puerto Rico in the civil rights during the civil rights movement and wasn't allowed to vote, and she was hosed and had she didn't even speak English and didn't know what was happening, and she was like, "Yeah, yo," they were like, "Si tu," like they were like, "Yeah, you, you black too, lady," and it was a it was a very like she said it was a rude awakening for her because her whole life she had just been Puerto Rican and then she came to America and she was black. And even though we have our issues in Puerto Rico, where where she was from, she didn't have those issues. But I vote for her, you know, and I think that I don't I, I do think that, you know, we have had a, a lot of I mean, the, this has been going on for generations for us to understand mm -hmm. that they're corrupt and stacked up against us. And still here we are. And so I feel like continuing to fight and being politically engaged, which you see a lot a lot more younger people now because of social media being involved more than we were when we were younger. Political stuff was for political people and not everybody. I think it's important for us to to stay involved. But I do, you know, I do agree with Chloe. I think that a revolution is is upon us. And and this is what I what I will say. When we think about ISIS and um, and the media loves to demonize ISIS, but when you break it down and you think about what ISIS is, and it's, it is those children of the people who were uh, murdered and abused during the Gulf Wars who watched the American soldiers go into their country and kill their parents. And that rage just raised, uh, you know, ISIS. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen? You can't just keep doing this to people of color and think that at at some point some, we're not going to develop our own ISIS here because that's what happens. Well, I think the unique thing here about America is that black people in this country have been so marginalized and we all suffer from PTSD. And so I think what's going to help push us over the edge here in this country is that the poor, poor white people are going to start dying from COVID and they're going to really see how much this government doesn't care about them. And when those people start to wake up, I think we'll have more of like a groundswell of a revolution because it's so easy to just say, oh, the black people are angry. Let's, you know, hose them, shoot them, tear gas them, arrest them. But when the whole country is like holding their elected officials accountable, I mean, it, it's, it blows my mind whenever, whenever somebody says, oh, just call your local official. And then it gets something done because they don't want to deal with phone calls. Like, right. So we have people in office who don't want to deal with phone calls. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I still, you know, my point wasn't to not vote because I do vote. Sure. My point is I can't argue with someone who doesn't vote. I, I don't have the old arguments don't work. And as far as generations, you know, our parent. Well, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I think I'm a little older than the people here than you ladies. But anyway. My parents, it's like I'm almost happy they're not here to see everything that they did being undone. Mm -hmm. The whole, entire civil rights movement of the 60s, which is was their prime, 
is undone now. I mean, we have a Supreme Court that's basically going to wipe all of that out. And and let's hope Ruth Bader Ginsburg stays alive, you know, and, and we get a new election, whatever. But it, I don't see an ISIS type thing. I don't. The problem with that is, and the, you know, you get these crazy white people. I got my guns in case the government comes. Let me tell you something. If you ever <laughs> challenge the army, you have no idea how powerful and how good they are at what right. they do. All right. So, so as far as lifting up guns, you know, it's it's almost like the better thing to do would be like uh, the Black Panthers did in the '60s when they went to California Capitol with guns. They suddenly banned guns. They were like, "Oh hell no!" You know, like. We, we can't have black people exercising their Second Amendment rights. I don't think it's a gun thing. Uh, the the organization, um, the political pressure, our system is so broken. It's so much about money now. Like, like you talk about political access, it's straight up. How much money did you oh, give? Lord. That's how much mm -hmm. access you get. Uh, maybe our revolution is is that economic we do have an economic power, you know, and what you said about poor white people, it is fascinating how the Republicans have convinced poor white people to help rich white people, you know, and Johnson said it a long time ago. He said, if you can con convince the poorest white person that he's better than the best black person, they'll fight to give you their money. And it's worked. Poor yeah. white people don't understand. They have more in common with us than they do Absolutely. in common with rich white people, but we're the ones they hate. Yeah. <laughs> I, and you know what? I agree with that. I believe in, um, we talked, Chloe and I talk about this kind of stuff in our mornings <laughs> when I call her. We are, I, I, I believe in uh, creating initiatives that actually draw results, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we're working on is financial literacy in our communities because it is about economics, but we talked about how impacted our communities are financially that we we don't know how to boycott with our dollars. We don't know how to recycle our dollars within our communities because we don't have stores in our communities that we can support because there are other people of other communities coming in, building the stores and ours, and they're, they're the stuff is is accessible to us because we cannot afford to go to Whole Foods, right? And so where do we begin with that is, you know, and with the basics, because they don't teach economics in school. They teach mm -hmm. economics history, right? When I sit down with my kids and I was like, well, this is not what economics is. What they're teaching is, is the history of American economics and the history of the economy of the United States, but not economics, right? They don't teach geography anymore. Like there are so many things that they're not teaching our children that you, my son who went to private school had access to all of this stuff because he was in a privileged environment, but it begins with education. And when it comes to money, we have to learn financial literacy and, and, and what that means in our communities. You were going to say something, Chloe. No, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. It's like, even now that people are getting these stimulus checks, it's like, I already see that people are having conversations about how that money's already spent. And it's like, if it's money, of course, I mean, notwithstanding with utilities and rent, but it's just like, oh, I can get that other thing that I wanted to get. And it's like, this is not, I tell people like, why are you shopping online right now? Like, you don't need these clothes. Why are you buying shoes? You're in the living room. Like, it's just the simple thing of that, of being like, we don't always have to get everything new, but you know, because of, just the way we've been treated is like we have to look a certain way in order to feel like we'll get respect from people. So that's where a lot of, you know, African-American materialism comes from. It's like if I look the part, they'll treat me better. And we know that that's not the case, but we still try anyway. Uh, anybody else? Uh, anything else to say on this? Because it just my stomach starts well, to hurt. <laughs> no, the, the, the thing about the, the money. It, it makes sense. And yeah, we don't learn it. And, and, but we don't have, whoops, I just disappeared. I don't know what I did. I disappeared from me. Anyway, we don't have the uh, generational education and, and wealth and stuff. We're just starting to get that right. Like the main source of uh, money, whatever in the United States is a family home, right? Because the family, parents had a house and then they could get a loan and help the kids buy a house and you build and stuff like that. Generationally, we're just getting to do that. I mean, I came, my family had a house, but a lot didn't. 
And we have to teach, like you said, Ida, we have to teach the kids how to do that. But the other thing, and this is just my opinion, we have to be realistic. Yeah, a kid is going to want a pair of Jordans. Like maybe he shouldn't buy a pair of Jordans, but he wants them. And there has to be a balance. You got to allow for some of that because otherwise, why are you doing it? You know what I mean? If, if you're driven enough to build that wealth and make the right decisions, but that's unrealistic for the average person. And I'm not saying spend the whole 1200 and buy five pair of Jordans, but I get it if you want to buy one pair or shoes or sweater, or, you know, whatever. I think there has to be some balance. You have to account for human nature of I want something nice. No, no, no. I no, I agree with that. I do think that you should treat yourself to something nice, but I also think that we are we allow uh, not I don't want to generalize, but I feel like the sentiment is it's okay to live in a shitty environment and have nice shoes versus saving money up to leave the shitty environment and then get the nice shoes. It's just like cart before the horse. Also, Chloe. The NBA is not playing right now, and LeBron needs money. LeBron's got a family, <laughs> all right? Russell Westbrook's got kids somewhere that he's denying that he has to pay for. So oh, we got to do yeah. our part. People have different priorities. And there, there's also, like, a level of, like, shaming when it comes to, like, what somebody else is paying for. We love to shame people buying shoes in the mall, buying Jordans. And I don't mind that. I, 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 I would, and like just society as a whole likes to shame people on food stamps buying sugary sodas and chips. And it's like, dang, like their poor kids can't have fun stuff in their, in their, no, no, but no, but that's what you're doing. But I think people have different priorities. If you want to live in the Jets and have nice shoes because you don't want to move out of your hood, I don't have a problem with that. Not everybody wants to live where I want to live. Not everybody. It, like, I don't know. I don't have a problem with that. I get what you're saying, though. But I also yeah. think it's so hard to judge somebody else, like, having a raggedy car and really nice purses. And, like, the rappers think they have it all, like, laid out what things should be and what your priorities should be. But I think everybody's is different. You may, but if no. you're bummed about your environment, then, yes, you need to prioritize that. But if you're not, I, I'll let you cook. Well, I think the I think the thing is like we all right. I feel like black people in this country are generations behind when it comes to white people doing the the hard, dirty part of establishing their net worth and their wealth. And so sometimes you just have to make a sacrifice. So like we always hear about like oh you know my mom was a single mother and she ate beans so that we could eat. It's like all right, but. Sometimes you too have to sacrifice as an adult if you want to transition to the next level. So I'm not saying don't buy Jordans, but I say if we're going to have a conversation about financial literacy, you need to, if you're going to put somebody on a budget to understand what financial literacy is, then they need to adhere to a budget. You can't say, here's your budget, but then still get the sneakers when you could have had that $250 to get you to the $1,000 marks you can invest in the stock market. It's like sometimes you just have to have the real conversation about like everything doesn't need to happen at this moment. I, and listen, I I find myself somewhere in the mean middle between those two things because I do think some people need to be shamed for some of the stuff that they do. And I think that this generation of people who have now used weaponized the word shaming for um, you know, like we talked we talk about this. There isn't if you are buying Jordans because you think that that people are going to respect you more and going to see you as valuable. That's different than you buying Jordans because you really like Jordans and you want some Jordans. Mm -hmm. And so I think that going within and really uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes that goes into the stuff that needs to be done. Besides economics, there has to be a psychological component because do people of color do have PTSD? And a lot of the things that we're doing is because we have worthiness issues and we want to be seen as equal. We want to be respected. And the way we perceive to be respected is by the way we look. While Bill Gates got on some dirty sneakers and a T-shirt and we think that because we got on a watch that costs two million dollars that people are going to see us and respect us. So there is something to that. And, and, and when I say shaming, I'm not, I don't mean shaming. I mean, there needs to be an education about this kind of stuff because the reality of it is, is that we have so much power within our dollars and we don't invest th that power mm -hmm. into the right things and it affects our communities. Yeah. The reason we don't want to leave the projects and have nice shoes is because we don't think we're worthy of living in a nice house. Not because it's a personal choice, it's because we don't think we belong in a better community because we've been indoctrinated into believe, believing to hate ourselves and that we're not worthy. 
So I think that there there needs to be an education and there needs to be balance. And I do think that I have Jordans. Like I love Jordans. I wear my Jordans because I'm a tomboy. But I'm not going to buy Jordans in light of paying. You know, what I was going to tell you is I was a a homeless single mom and I was broke. I started working at Edward Jones. And because of the education that I got at Edward Jones, that wasn't for me because I was just like an administrative worker there. But I took it upon myself to learn. I, I was able to take that investment information and make get myself out of the situation that I was in. Because if you would have taken money for some Jordans and bought Amazon a couple of weeks ago, you could have made some serious money. But we don't teach our kids that, right? We don't teach our kids chess. We teach them checkers. And so I think that what I'm talking about is being able to go into our communities and arm our people with information that can change their lives. Because I think that we've gotten so far, we've gotten so deep into the materialism, the the capitalism of this country is so toxic and has become so detrimental, Mm -hmm. specifically to people of color, right? It's, look at at Jeff Bezos making $10,000 every 10 seconds. Like that's disgusting. And so how many of those dollars are ours? Yeah. And I think the thing about being in the situation right now is like I go grocery shopping and I'll see two lines. You'll see the line with, you know, everybody who's shopping for themselves. And then you see like the Instacart line and it's all black and brown people who are sacrificing their health so that they can make money during their pandemic. And so when you talk about like being able to be in a position to have financial security, you won't have to risk your life to food shop for someone else who has money in the bank so that they don't have to shop for themselves. So it is, it if it affects our livelihood when we don't have the financial stability in our own community. Um go ahead, Brooke. Well I and, and it sucks because like I don't want to push back against that because I agree with that. It's just it's not all us because um there's so the systemic racism we can't control that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can you can never buy a pair of Jordans ever and never, you know, like save up all of your money and, and do this and still end up at Instacart because your name is Lakeisha and nobody will go past looking at your resume. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's still so many other reasons. Like, and so I do stand in the middle of like, I never want to say like, don't try to, to do more and to learn more and to do better, but also recognize that we are doing the best work we can because the reason that the people who don't look like us have an upper hand in this country since the beginning of this country is because of our forced labor. It's not because they made sacrifices. It's because they sacrificed black people. So, and and that's what this country is built up on. And that's why those people have a, a leg up. And so I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I get what both of you are saying. And I, I agree with that. I just know that also, I, I always want to just keep in mind that we're doing the best we can. Oh, no, I agree. And I think whenever I have these conversations, I always have to preface it by saying, there's, I have my set of answers for how we can navigate the system that we're dealing with, right. which is, which is, I feel is like, you know, slowly divest your money from the economic capitalist and racist society and start investing in, you know, your own communities as far as like even electing elected officials locally. Like there's how to play the game that we're set before us. And the other game is to burn this motherfucker down. <laughs> you know, we all, we all, and listen, I, I, buying Jordans is a very interesting case because technically we are supporting a black business when we buy Jordans. <laughs> Cause we're, oh, well, kind of, kind of, but, um, I do, you know, I do. And, and with that, with respect to that, I'm going to move on to the next story. People of color are doing the best that they can, given the tools that they have in a race that they have where someone else had a head start and we have had to catch up with our hands, our hands and a foot tied behind our back. So nobody here is going to deny that. Um, we just want progress for the people. I love you, Brooke. I think you um, that fire that you bring. Hey, Brooke, I just real quick want to say I get it. And I, and I agree with you because a lot of times you're shut out of the game. Right. You're, you're like when you talk about investing in the stock market and this and that. Right. You you don't have a friend that you're playing golf with who can get you in. We don't have that. You know, so right. you you do the best you can. Even when you talk about buying a house, they've shown the systematic mortgage discrimination to make it harder mm-hmm. for you. Even when you have the job, you have the money and you show up, 
they make it harder for you to get the loan or you get the more expensive loan so you can't get the house that you deserve. And and like you said, Brooke, when you're born on second base, you know, you didn't hit a double. You you think you did. You were born on second base. We're starting from home plate and having to make it all the way around uphill. So yeah, I get it. I, I definitely support you on that. Sorry, I no. I know we want to move to the next no, topic. No. I know, I like that. Um, so the next story is about a severe injustice. Uh, Dallas salon owner, Shelly Luther, uh, was sent to jail for keeping her salon open uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> the shutdown, the quarantine in Dallas. And according to the Dallas Sheriff's Office, she's been in jail since Tuesday after being sentenced to seven days. Um, but on Thursday morning, the Texas Supreme Court granted a motion to release her. Uh, the order came soon after G Governor Greg Abbott announced he was modifying his recent executive orders related to the coronavirus pandemic to eliminate jail time for Texans who violate the restrictions. So uh, a small crowd with balloons and posters started cheering Shelly's free upon her release video from KTV TV, TV shows. She said, I'm a little overwhelmed. I just want to thank all of you who I just barely met. And now you're all my friends. You mean so much to me. This would have been nothing without you. <laughs> so um, I, I was going to call Shelly Karen, but I realized that her name was not Karen. Her name was Shelly. Um, Luther, whom State District Judge Eric Moy found in contempt of court earlier this week, kept her salon a la mode running while violating stay-at-home orders and despite receiving a cease and desist letter from Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins, as well as temporary restraining order signed by Mo, a Democrat that told Luther her business must remain closed. Now, one of the biggest problems that I have with this article is that they had to state what the political party of the judge was, which I thought was unnecessary, uh, but of course necessary to politicize the story but the reality of it is, is that if we're going to uphold the law, does it matter what political party you belong to? Um, so I want to open it up to you guys, uh, to you people. And um, so we can talk about the injustice and the hardship that Shelly experienced in them four days she was in jail. Listen, I struggle with this because I am horrified and angered that people don't want to prevent other people from dying. It is, and I keep comparing it to like arguing against the government mandating drunk driving be illegal. Like it's my right to drink and drink. No, it's not, it's not, it is not. Um, but, and so I am so frustrated with this because people are dying from this. And even if you're not dying, nobody wants to be lying in the bed, not being able to breathe for an entire month because you had to go to the grocery store and so-and-so doesn't want to wear a mask or doesn't want to stop cutting strangers' hair. It's it's unfair and it's awful. I also, our criminal justice system is so fraudulent and is just so raggedy and it is just so insane. I also don't think people should be going to jail like going to jail for seven days is a way bigger deal than we like to realize because we're so used to people getting sentences of like 198 years, 347 years, stuff that is just absolutely absurd <laughs> that we look at that as a big deal. But 10 days, seven days in jail is a big deal. I don't think anybody should be sentenced to jail for breaking these ordinances, even though I, I hate, I also equally hate the people who are violating this because it's putting other people in debt and I'm struggling with it, but I, I don't think she should have been put in jail to begin with. I'm also grossed out that the governor is like, I'll pay her bail because when they're like, what personal, there's so many, do you, do you know how many people could, could benefit from your $7,000 you're willing to take out of your pocket and pay for it just because you, you want to take a political, it's just all so gross. I don't think anybody should go to jail for violating these ordinances. I also wish people would stop violating them. Mm -hmm. I saw Cruz in her chair earlier today, like proudly with the mask on getting his hair cut. This is like, you're all gross people. It's gross. Like yeah. people are dying from this. You To get your hair cut, do you know how bad I want my hair cut, my hair done? Do you know how bad I want to go to the beauty supply store? Not bad enough to die. Like this is stupid. We're yeah. you're arguing about death. This is it's uh, what? I, I don't know. Like, look at me and look at Ted Cruz. Who do you think values a good hairdo more? 
It's not him. <laughs> I'm not trying to die for it. This is just stupid. It's all, there's just, I just have so many, I hope I'm making sense because I do, I, there's so much different confusion. I have so many different yeah. involving this. But you know, I do, be, I believe that she should be under the jail. Because she refused several, several citations to remain closed. She did it defiantly. And it's the same thing as a, a, a chef poisoning their people. Like if you, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm making it, I'm exaggerating the scenario, but if you are the owner of a business and you're willingly putting people at risk, you should be arrested and put in prison. I don't know for how long, but you should definitely be arrested, booked, and have to go before a judge because you're willing. It's like someone who knows that they um, were was exposed to something, continuing to expose people to it. So she should definitely be reprimanded for that. And here, I'm in New York City, and there have been, I believe, 30 arrests for um, people for social distancing. And the majority of the people were African American, one white person, and four Hispanic people. So there's definitely a discrepancy when they when they treat people with social distancing. You have cops here in New York City giving white people masks and beating people down and slamming them and sitting on their chests if they're black or brown. So hell yeah, send her to prison ASAP. It's this is a fascinating story to me because there are so it's so two sides, right? For one thing, the idea that in Texas a white woman got arrested for this blows my mind. Like for it that to happen in I'm Dallas sorry. Is, it was Dallas. You know, Dallas yeah. is kind of how it's a light version of like there's Dallas and then there's Texas. Like you no, know, I mean I've been you know, I know like North <laughs> Dallas is a separate city and then South Dallas is the hood. I lived in Dallas for a while. But there was also in West Texas, and this was fascinating, there was a bar that opened and they had the the guys, you know, out front with their guns, right? Because they like to walk around with their guns. And the police showed up and arrested them. They were like, no, you don't brandish with the police. Like, we ain't scared of your stupid ass with your gun. And they arrested all of them. And again, I was fascinated because you wouldn't expect that in Texas. Yeah. Now, I don't, as far as her going to jail and getting out of jail, it, this is a Republican thing. This is their freedom and liberate. And this went all the way up to Trump. And that's why the governor kissed ass and, and all of that. I think the solution is lock up her business. The same way if you don't pay your parking tickets, they put a boot on your car. The government should have some kind of big ass padlock and they just show up and they lock the gates. And they're like, no, you're not opening. Yeah. I don't care what you think. You're not opening because mm -hmm. you ain't cutting this lock off. And if you cut this lock off, now you go to jail, just like with the boot. If you, if you cut that off or do something, now you're under penalty for it. That's how you shut this stuff down. Yeah. You know, now as far as the beach, I don't know how to shut down the beach. Open fire. Just you only have to shoot <laughs> the rubber like bullet. ten or twelve. Oh of them. <laughs> if you shot like twelve of them, the rest of them be like, "Man, I ain't going to the beach." Yeah. Sacrifices have to be made. Is Absolutely. all I'm saying. And you I, can't I, lock a beach. Just leave the bodies out there. Not long, Brooke. Just long enough. Okay. Yeah. Just long enough. You do this thing oh. where like, you, you slide into comedy, but with the same tone, yeah, the yeah. same look on your face. And it, I, and I'm all, it takes me a second. <laughs> um, I real quickly, they, they have to tell you the political affiliations of the people so you know who has common sense and who doesn't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it really is. It, that's it, really and that's what it is. Yeah. It is but, but that common sense, you know, they've hijacked words like, freedom and liberty and American. These are all code words now. These are their code words. So, you you know, the Democrat who wants to shut you down for, like you said, Chloe, a major health risk because the person at your salon who gets sick goes home, then they people get sick, then they go to the grocery store and blah, blah, blah. You're, you're, if you're a Democrat doing it, now you're limiting their liberty or taking their freedom or some bullshit mm -hmm. like that. But they've hijacked these words and, and it's, and that's their brilliance because it becomes a no-win situation for intelligence and common sense. Yeah, they have. Uh, they said this is the new Jim Crow. They said that they are the uh, the Rosa Parks of today. Uh, the the woman who got uh, arrested at the park with her children. So I read this article this morning. I tweeted it. A woman's son would not follow the social distancing rules. Left the house. 
brought back coronavirus. As a result of that, nine family members have gotten coronavirus. And uh, one of the members is older and sick. So what I say to you is, um, what do you do with someone who's reckless like that? That's reckless endangerment, right, uh, of, of the public. Even though people volunteer to go there or they, you know, what happens when someone dies from acquiring coronavirus when they came to your salon, when you opened it, when it was against the law for you to open it? Because Jawan Howard got sued and, uh, and, and a, a bunch of other athletes have had legal action taken against them for giving people herpes, right? Because they had herpes and they gave people herpes. So what I'm saying is, what are the what are the consequences if someone loses their life as a result of your negligence because you decided to open your business when they said that it was against the law for you to open it? There yeah. have to be consequences for people breaking the law because the reason why I'm so adamant about that is because for us, they the law is enforced to the letter. It is yeah. right. So why is it that that is extreme for a white woman to go to jail for seven days because she broke the law and endangered the lives of people in her community? Because at the end of the day, that's what she was doing. I get what you're saying. And I totally get like the racial disparities. But I, I can't for me, I can't look at like our criminal justice system and what needs to be reformed like that. Like, um, I want it, I want to fight for it to be better for us, not worse for white people. Like, and, and I, I, I just, because it, it'll, it will always be worse for us. But I'm not arguing that it needs to be worse for white people. I'm, I, I'm arguing that white people need to be held to the same well, standard. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it needs to be equal. If, if, if a black man has to get his chest kicked in because he's not social distancing, then uh, Edward Scissorhands over here need to get something happening to her too. But I want nobody to get their chest kicked in, and nobody. Again. Some people need some Brooks. Some people need their chest kicked in. Chloe, <laughs> oh, no. yes, we have Chloe. We have superhuman strength, so you must <laughs> kick our chest in because we will just use our superhuman strength. Otherwise, right. we we keep that. Um, Brooke, what you said about drunk driving should be the exact standard. If you own a bar and you serve someone mm -hmm. who is already intoxicated and they have a drunk driving accident, you, the bartender, and a bar owner are liable. You can be held liable, and they go after you in civil court, right? Getting back to what you said, Ida, in civil court, they go after you because it's the deep pockets thing, right? The lawyer is going to find who has money. So if the drunk driver doesn't have insurance, but the bar is insured for a million dollars, they're going to try to sue the bar. Either the reason they went after Juwan Howard is because he had NBA money. You yes. know what I mean? Like if Joe on the corner gives you herpes, you out of luck. Joe don't have any money. Juwan Howard has NBA money. So the what you said, Brooke, about making this like drunk driving and having there be a liability element, it shouldn't be done. It's ridiculous to be done. But if you are dumb enough to do it, you should be held legally liable. And the civil liability is scarier because then they take your money, mm -hmm. right? That, that, and that's the part, Trump ain't gonna help you when they yeah. come to take your money. The governor yeah. isn't gonna help you when somebody says, oh, my whole family got sick because of you giving a haircut, we're suing you for $10 million. You, Good luck finding the governor then, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, you yeah, let's, so you take it to civil, that, I think. take so it you, to civil court. Yeah, you would wish. You would wish you were in jail for seven days once they come and take your business. Yeah. <laughs> you, get day, you get those daytime lawyers chasing money and they'll be like, do you have COVID-19? You know, it'll. I'm telling you, it sounds funny, but it'll be the same thing. Yeah. Where did you get it? Where, you know, that's how those lawyers make money. Where did you get it? Was your, did your husband, daughter, son, wife go to jail, you know, to this hair salon? Mm -hmm you may have a case. That's what it'll take. We're going to see so much of that, especially like as people are going to be now forced to go back to work in completely non-essential yes. businesses. I think mm -hmm. next year, we're going to see so many lawsuits from families of people who have lost their lives because of just business owners following what like the government, a protected entity has told them is okay to do. And mm -hmm. people also patronizing them. We are, we are going to see so much of that, I'm, and, it, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. And that's why that's why Fox News is lawyering up because they realized they were telling people it wasn't yeah. real or to you know dr take these pills or whatever. And now they're like, oh, we shouldn't have been saying that because now we can be sued. 
And the other and, thing, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry, no, Brooke, in, in reference to your point, I don't know if you saw it, but it was online. It was really funny. This person put the transcript of the call to the governor's mansion in, in Georgia when they opened everything up. They called and said, okay, well, I'll be there Monday for my tour of the mansion. And they were like, no, we're closed. It's a pandemic. He said, no, but you said it's safe. And they go back and forth using the governor's arguments for opening nail salons as toward the mansion and ultimately got hung up on. And they were like, no, we're not. You know what I mean? So it just shows ourselves. they know. Yeah. yeah, they know. They're like, no, I'm going to be safe. But you guys go out there and test the work, test the waters for me. The herd immunity. Yeah. Also, this is not going to fix the economy because not everybody is dumb. Yeah. Gee, I don't care what you open up. I'm not getting my hair done. I'm not going to the zoo. I'm yeah. not going to a concert. To, to I'm not trying to. There is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to the beach. But I like, I'm like not doing things that I don't have to do. I'm not dying for this beach. Yeah, but I think there are a lot of people. I mean, the the same amount of people who don't believe that police brutality is targeting black and brown people are the same people who believe the government that says it's okay to go out and go to the beach. It's a lot of those people in America. They're going to get rid of us. They're going to get rid of a lot of people. But, and, and the other thing that I will say, when we start thinking about the judicial system, like, you know, a lot of people like to say all cops aren't bad. A lot, everybody, all judges aren't bad. And I think that there's such a severe lack of balance in our in our government right now that judges want to be able to stand their ground in their jurisdictions. And now you have Donald Trump intervening and you have governors stepping in and there's so much chaos. There's such a lack of balance that people want to send messages because uh, some of those people do really believe in what the constitution stands for and do believe in the, in the rule of law. And the fact that our admin, this administration has gone so rogue, intervening in in local cases. Uh, he's he's talking about Colin Kaepernick. He's he's involving himself in you know Ahmad Aubrey. He had on a tuxedo like it was a it was a you know something uh, like wow guys a black dude with a tuxedo has to be a good guy you know like it, it, dude this government that has gone completely rogue. And there are some people who are actually fighting for order and justice and they want some. And so here they're telling these white people, you can't do this stuff. They see Donald Trump with no mask on. They see Pence with no mask on. They keep sending the message that this isn't real to the people who believe that. And now you don't think you have to obey the law anymore. And everybody doesn't agree with Donald Trump. And that's what America is supposed to be. Everyone shouldn't have to agree with Donald Trump for you to follow the rules. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think that you see people trying to set an example by saying, no, you don't open your hair salon because you're endangering everybody else. And it doesn't matter what Donald Trump says. This is what I say. And then here they go and they intervene. So where do you send the messages? How do you send the messages if not with the people? Yeah. She should be in jail right now. With right now. She should be doing cornrows for free on the yard. I got, I got no love. Um, so we have seven minutes left, and I, I wanna, I wanna bring some levity to this because I don't want everything to always be heavy and about. There are some good things happening in the world, but this is not about good things happening in the world. I think this is funny. Nearly half of men say they do most of the uh, homeschooling, <laughs> but three percent of the women agree. And so homeschooling, the new parental chore brought about by the coronavirus lockdowns is being handled disproportionately by women. And I don't know if you saw that interview about that woman, woman in Orange County who uh, was the owner of a, of a gym. She started crying and she was like, we have to take care of our own children. Yeah. <laughs> it's not fair. It was hilarious. Uh, so, because women are, are, are doing the work, uh, according to a poll uh, by the Morning Con Consult for the New York Times, fathers don't necessarily agree. <laughs> Nearly half of those with children under 12 report spending more time on it than their spouse, but just 3% of women say their spouse is doing more. 80% of mothers say they spend more time on it. So I wanted to, to get your, um, I feel like I'm in New York right now because you can hear the siren. <laughs> Uh, what do you guys think? 
Uh, I'm so glad that I am team plan B and pull out. There are no children over here. I don't have to help nobody with no math or no phonics. It's just me and my dog chilling, eating snacks. Well, that's the thing. You're, you're asking this question of people with no kids. <laughs> they lying and then convincing themselves that it's not a lie. This is what is happening in these homes, okay? Men are sharpening pencils and loading up the laptop and, and thinking like, oh, dang, that was exhausting. Nope. <laughs> and missing like the eight hours of work that the, the wife has to do. I mean, I mean. Uh, Listen, it's, well, what's, well, so, no, what's so I'm funny sure. is like, this is, this, is the, this is the classic example of gender roles. Like, like, it's like, you want a woman to do all of this, but you're in a house so you don't have to do the man part. You don't have to hunt or get gas or change the oil. And you're like, oh, I'm doing my job. Right. This is a weird thing because just what you said, Chloe, the, the roles have changed, right? It would be different if it was, you know, like 1950s America where the man went out to work and the woman stayed home all day and then she takes care of the kids and blah, blah, blah. And now he's home from work and he's like, I don't know what to do. And he's teaching the kids something. But but now the, the family, the dynamics are so different and so weird. You know what I mean? I don't know who's teaching. It might be who knows something, right? What the kids are learning today, you know, the, the so-called new math and the this and that. Kids are asking questions that neither parent knows the answer. So they're like, listen, Google it, you know, or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? And, and dad's like, well, I'm paying the Internet bill. I'm teaching. You know, I don't know. It's a weird. It's a strange. I have friends who are in this situation. A friend of mine, she's a teacher. And she said that her kids, none of them are doing the, not none of them, but very few of them are doing the work because the school already said, well, we're not going to do grades this semester. We're just going to give completion because there's no way to grade with the homeschooling. A lot of parents, let me tell you something, when this thing is over, when teachers go on strike for more money, parents are going to be like, give it to them. You know, whatever they ask I've, I've had these little idiots around the house. You got 20 or 30 of them. Whatever you want, we'll pay. Keep those idiots. You know what I mean? Parents are finding out yeah. it's not as easy as you thought. And that's just your kids. Forget about a room full of people's kids. So maybe, wouldn't it be great if this whole thing, no matter who's teaching at home, taught us as a society to respect education? Yep. Imagine what that would do if parents were like, wow. It's hard to teach, whether it be dad or mom or whoever does it. Maybe we should respect these teachers a little more. Yeah, I agree with you. You know what I, what I was thinking about? Because I, I was very involved in my kids' schooling. I taught my kids how to read myself because I didn't trust the teachers. And um, what I want to say... <laughs> Brooke, don't you love Ida? I love Ida. That's I don't trust the teachers. 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 I don't trust the <laughs> I don't because it you it's a it's a mixed bag. You don't know what you're gonna get. But what I was gonna say is, if anything, it should shed light on on our education system. Like when you start looking at what I've been talking to my friends and they're talking about the lesson plans. Like they were like, I can't believe this is the bullshit that my kids are learning mm -hmm. every week. It's a new fundraiser. But this, you know, I have a friend that was like, this bitch don't know, don't know the quadratic formula. And it was just like, people in Cuba learned this in the third grade. And I was like, well, you ain't in Cuba. And you're going to have to teach her the quadratic formula because the truth is you're going to have to arm yours with what you need to arm. Absolutely. With, right? And so if anything, it should be, yes, the teachers, our education system, two different things. Our teachers work, they're underpaid, they're undervalued. Yes. And the education system is they don't have the resources. I was at no. the dollar store. I saw a teacher buying all this stuff. And I was like, hey, you you really like pencils. And she was like, no, I have to buy them for my class because we don't have enough money to uh, yeah. in our in the budget. So I have to buy the stuff for my children, yeah. in my classroom. And I was just like, wow, like that's where we are, guys. Yeah, it's hard. I have some friends who are teachers and they were telling me how out of the student body, maybe New York City schools are really big. So one of my friends is a teacher. She has 500 students that she has to deal with 
Um, and out of the 500, only maybe like 280 came to school when they announced that they were closing the schools to get the Chromebooks. And the other kids are just lost. Like she can't reach them. They, some are living shelters. They don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have laptops. They can't get the assignments. And I think that is another thing that we need to think about. It's like, if we're going to advance with this technological age, like students across America should have all the same resources nationwide. It should not be any gaps or holes. Wow. So the hour went by quickly. We okay. have 30 seconds. Uh, we're going to come back. We'll be back next week. I do want to highlight one story that we didn't get to, but you should go read it. Armed Black people escort Michigan lawmaker into state capitol building. And I think that this is such an important story for you, for you to read because the Second Amendment applies to us too. And what an amazing difference it will make in the world, impact everyone, if we all started exercising our sex, second amendment, right? As people of color, because then you'll see, uh, <laughs> then you'll see them say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's talk about these guns, right? So on Wednesday, a small, a small group of people exercised their second amendment right to bear arms to, by walking to the state Capitol building in Lansing, Michigan, toting large rifles, much like the mobs of white anti-quarantine protesters last week. And they were escorting Representative Sarah Anthony. So big shout out to all of those people who exercise their Second Amendment right because Black Lives Matter. And I think that that, uh, is, a, that is a high note for someone like me to end on. <laughs> Go get your yeah. uh, Alonzo, Chloe, Brooke, thank you so much for being here. Thanks Every, I appreciate you. And everyone that's here, I see you, I see the comments. I appreciate you guys showing up. We just wanted it to do it for a small group of people because we got to iron out the kinks. I have to get my shit together. Um, I can't be so emotional that I can't read a story and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, the objective of this, uh, this hour every Friday is to tell our stories and to give our perspective about the stories because we are smart, we are beautiful, we are intelligent, and we have something to say. So thank you for coming and joining us on Truth Serum, where we give it to you straight with no chaser. Bye.